Welcome to Inside Parliament. It's a weekly catch-up about the political stories that we've been covering on One News. And we're coming to you from the legendary TVNZ studio in the heart of the Beehive. I'm Benedict Collins. I'm Mikey Sherman. And I'm Jessica Much Mackay. Hey guys, so let's start off with our pits and our peaks. Jess? Well, my peak would have to be the poll. A little bit geeky, but do love a good poll um, and really enjoyed it over the weekend. Um, my pit also relates to the poll. It was having to do an interview with Winston Peters the day after the poll and having to stand there and take um, the lecture about how their polls don't apply to him. So, you know, just bad timing and, and that would have to be my, my pit of the week. Classic. And speaking of other classics, um, my peak, I might have two peaks actually. Uh, the first is actually a secret project um, that we've been working on here, the One News team in the press gallery. Um, a little hint uh, are my earrings that I'm wearing, which are big red baubles uh, representing Christmas. Um, so it's a little bit of a secret project at the moment, but in the coming weeks we'll let you guys know how that all pans out, um, but very exciting. The other peak, of course, was um, just before we came to do our podcast, we had the Minister of Justice, Andrew Little, giving Benedict some tips on how to do a good tie. Um, There was talk of dimples, the length, uh, Donald Trump's name might have been mentioned, Barack Obama, um, and then to peak it all off, uh, Benedict told us how he actually learnt to do a tie, Benedict? Yeah, there was some uh, some uh, long uh, YouTube sessions uh, before I started with One News, having come from uh, radio where you know, ties weren't such a necessity. But who knew um, the Justice Minister was so... Uh, he, he was <laughs> yeah, really yeah. passionate about tying the right length tie, all yeah. the little details. Very so interesting. So dapper. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, my uh, peak of the week. Um, so last week I was away. I was on a um, US uh, State Department department took a group of New Zealand journalists up to uh, Hawaii for a week where we learnt about <clears throat> sort of a study tour where we learnt about sort of their interests in the Pacific and the way that they're looking at things um, and I mean it was kind of nice staying on a hotel on Waikiki Beach um, being we able hate to go him for a swims every, <laughs> go, be able to go for swims every morning but I got to uh, fly a um, Osprey helicopter in a simulator and that was so cool um, yeah, super cool being able to fly around that simulator around Hawaii for uh, a little while. This Marine showed us how to do it all. It was very yeah, that totally beats all of our peaks. Very, yeah. it was very very cool. Um, uh, Jenna Lynch, a journalist from another news outlet, though she was my co-pilot and she killed us on the um, landing, <laughs> so it was unfortunate. And my uh, pit of the week, I think, would have to be uh, some of the stats and figures. We're going to have a look at it later on, but in that mental health. Um, report that they released this week um you know like 20,000 kiwis a year trying to kill themselves sort of yeah pretty pretty sobering pretty, eh? yeah pretty sobering pretty tough stuff a lot of people out there you know doing it tough um but we're going to have a look at that later on but anyway should we have a look at um our first track let's have a look at the poll story it's one year down two to go in the hustle for the 2020 election and national is nudging ahead Poll numbers do move around a a little bit. This is all still within margin of error. I'm still really happy that we're finishing the the year stronger than we started it. Labor's dropped despite a high-profile trip to Singapore and Papua New Guinea. 
and National steadying itself after the Jamie Lee Ross explosion. But the Carol Shrewbeck case has been distracting for the government. We still make up a majority uh, as a coalition government. That look, because his party is riding high. Um, under my leadership, National strong. However, his preferred Prime Minister number is anything but. Simon Bridges, leader of the National Party. He's been on a charm offensive for 10 months now and is still dangerously low. In a sense, it's not surprising, having come through some very tough issues. Another issue for him, Judith Collins. It's obviously some support for you. Would you consider being the leader in the future? It, it isn't something that's come up at all, and my view is that I support the leader, I support the caucus and the party. So what about economic outlook? We asked, do you think during the next 12 months the economy will be in a better state than at present or in a worse state? 37% think it'll get better. That's up four points from our last poll. And 34% think it'll get worse. That number has dropped seven points. The rest think it'll stay the same. All numbers to contemplate over the summer barbecue season. So, on one hand, you'd have to say, delivering 46 on a platter means that Simon Bridges is safe. On the other hand, though, behind closed, behind closed doors, they're thinking, right, why isn't he resonating? And how long do we give him to get those numbers up? Um, but it's one of those polls that no one's really that happy with it. New Zealand First isn't happy. The Greens aren't happy. Labor's not happy because their numbers gone down. National may be happy, but their leader's not doing very well. So it's just one of those polls that doesn't really do it for anyone, really. What did you guys make of it? What were your main takeaways? Well, I was kind of stunned, actually, after you know the, the sort of turmoil that National had gone through with Jamie Lee Ross. I thought you know, maybe that's going to really knock them about a bit, but uh, you know, just to see them bounce back up, and I think we've seen that a bit in, in the polls, sort of Labour and National sort of jockeying up around those mid-40s about who's in front and not. Uh, yeah, and to see them you know, after that sort of turmoil that they've been in, to just boost up 3%, I was... Because yeah, don't forget our last poll was right in this in the middle of that yeah. Jamie Lee Ross stuff, and they didn't really feel it then. And you think, and, oh, and now, maybe yeah, that's right. It's had time to sink in, yeah. and people are going to you know look at that train wreck. And yeah, but no, you know, people are staying loyal with them, and even a bit of a bounce. And Labor's had its own troubles with the Ian Lee's Galloway, um, Carol Shrewbrick, um issues there. So uh, no surprises that they sort of took a bit of a hit. Um, it had dragged out for quite some time. It did look messy for the government. It was. The the third minister up on the ropes following Mika Whaiteri uh, and Claire Curran. So um, no real surprises. I was interested at seeing um, Simon Bridges sort of try to brush off um, his stagnant 7% um, in the preferred prime minister uh, poll there. Uh, I wouldn't say that um, you could put down that 46% for national to Simon Bridges' leadership. I would actually argue that it's simply a hangover from nine solid years um, um, of John Key and then obviously transferring into uh, the safe pair of hands that was Bill English uh, Simon Bridges will need to be very worried I think if he continues on that 7% pathway into the new year um, there'll be some trouble especially with Judith Collins coming right up behind him And I think the reality is if the National Party were on 39 delivering those poll results to Simon Bridges would have been defi a defining moment in his political career because it, it, it's not sustainable. The fact that he's he's delivering such a high number for them. Um, but I think what it shows is that the National Party are very loyal um, and very strong 
to the party and aren't hugely phased by who the leader is, then they're simply not thinking about the leader that much. But it just makes you wonder how long he'll be able to stagnate as Mr Seven and what they're going to... Because he's done, don't forget, he's done the roadshow. He's done all of that stuff. It's been 10 months. Mm. He's been in the job for a long time. Yeah, but I, I think, you know, sitting at 46, if they go up, you know, in the, if the next poll, if they even go up a couple more, I think he's just safe as houses while they're up that high. Yeah, but, but how do you have a leader that doesn't resonate with the public and why don't they like him? You know what I mean? Like, he's dragged them through the Jamie Lee Ross stuff. Why isn't he resonating um, to people sitting at home watching TV? The other thing that would be concerning for National as well is that if uh, what we're hearing uh, about those uh, 41% internal pollings for National are true, then that, of course, Mm. is different, hugely different. And if those uh, members within National know those numbers to be true, they will be having somewhat different conversations behind those closed doors right now. And that's the thing, we don't report on the internal polls of parties. I I think um, most of us, we get those fed to us um, by the parties when it it suits them, um, when they want to, you know, say, oh, yeah, but our internal polling is saying this and this. I mean, we can stand by our poll that is robust and has been around for 20 years, you know what I mean? And and we're the one that makes it public and you can see the trend and you can measure it. So it, I've had to have that conversation a little bit this week. Um, <laughs> but I just think that, you know, that we're the public poll that everyone can analyse and see the true numbers of and see how it's measured and see the margin of error and all of that stuff. So I do think... Um, you know, you can't cherry pick, parties can't cherry pick when they deliver their internal poll results to us. It's just, it's not how we roll. The other question, of course, is the coalition partners uh, crucial for both sides of the House, as we saw in this poll. I mean, on these numbers, Labour and the Greens would have to govern alone. New Zealand First wouldn't make it into Parliament. The other thing is, while National is on 46%, it doesn't have enough friends to get into Parliament. So they they'll all be looking at sort of uh, their friends and how to boost bolster their friends perhaps national and this is what I was thinking I'm going to throw this out because it's a it's a new topic just to get the thoughts going but when national doesn't have uh, any sort of solid partner and in, in act in terms of bringing in more people the only partner that it does have and we see them registering still even though they're not in parliament anymore is the Maori party on that 0.9 sort of one percent hanging around there um, perhaps they do need to start, start targeting those Maori seats if they want to try and help a partner get back into parliament we really haven't seen much targeting of the Maori MPs and ministers by the national MPs I think maybe if they wanted to ramp that side up they could try and help help themselves by helping the Māori Party, perhaps. I actually asked Simon Bridges about this um, on camera, but it didn't make it into the story, about this whole issue for him. They have no mates, and the one friend that they have isn't doing enough to help them. So I said, are you even going to bother giving ACT um, Epsom? Because if they... That's one gift... If, National, if ACT can't even bring in a one other MP, what's the point? Don't don't waste my time with you know what I mean. Like if if you're gonna if we'll give you this, you've got to bring something to the table. But then I asked about those other parties and where you see that coming. And he he chose his words quite carefully, but said that organically next year um, he thinks that we will see those parties coming through. And I think they've talked about all of those things. Whether there's um, they need to target, they've got the right sorted. I think they need to look at that centre vote and see where they can steal votes from there. I think that's what um, National will be looking at. Mm. Is it worth kicking the, ra- the ball around on perhaps doing a deal with the top for National? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, if top got... If they're still around, eh? Yeah, what yeah. was that? Almost 4% mm. of the vote last time or around that margin. I can't even remember what it was now. But it was, it was a... They got a decent... They brought a decent amount to the table last time. So top could... Mm could get there. What do you think about for uh, for the Greens and for New Zealand First, kind of sitting around, you know, five or just under five, when when do they start to hit the panic button? And do you think it's a, do you think it's just like sort of a, a problem of being, being in government where you've got the stronger, bigger partner that you're getting shut out a bit? Yeah, they've got to be, get loud. They've got to start um, getting some of their things in, pushing, like we saw this week with the Greens Investment Fund, they've got to be out there front and centre, they've got to be pushing their stuff. And not as much in, over the next six months, but at the end of next year, when you've got one year to go, push, 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 this is what we bring, mm. this is what we're holding the government yeah, to. And I think that on. quite often happens with smaller parties, they kind of come yeah. up, don't they, towards the, you know, as it gets closer yeah. to the election. I was thinking also that with this result for the Greens, uh, and just reminding that obviously Nash, uh, New Zealand First wouldn't actually get into Parliament, does this give them some sort of leverage? They need this kind of leverage. Obviously it wouldn't sort of, you know, uh, uh, produce much in the short term, but it's starting to get them in that position uh, where they are at least polling into Parliament on these numbers instead of New Zealand First, who has been eating up lots of the air when it comes to the coalition and we've actually seen the Green Party sort of become somewhat of a silent partner in terms of the public discourse from the coalition government, I feel. I feel like I taking, the, taking the front and centre has been Labour but and New Zealand always, first. I always felt the Greens were pretty raucous in opposition, <laughs> you yeah. know, like often, you know, sort of hitting pretty hard and yeah, really sort of being noisy, right, and, you know, creating you know, trying to hold the government account. And then you've seen them, I think, as they come in and they sort of they get portfolios and stuff like that. It's, you know, they often don't want to chip in on the issue of the day so much. And it's you personality know. and position as well. Um, mm. Winston Peters is given far more of a forum as Deputy Prime Minister. He has to fill in for Jacinda Ardern um, because he's, you know, been around for such a long time. We'll go to him on issues. He's also obviously Foreign Minister, which means that he gets um, a lot more um, airtime and a lot more stature and things like that. So I think that all feeds into it as well. But, yeah, really fascinating numbers, really interesting numbers. Yeah. Um, very much enjoyed that on Sunday. Mm. <laughs> Shall we move on? Because it, yeah. it has been a big week this week with other stories as well. Shall we have a look at the next one on the list? Um, let's take a look at Mikey's story on bullying. Maggie Barry, unapologetic when it comes to managing staff. I have high expectations of myself and of my staff, uh, but I believe that you always treat people with respect. The National MP vigorously denying allegations of bullying, despite two former staff laying official complaints, including swearing, belittling and demanding National Party work be done on the taxpayers' watch. There were two allegations made. Uh, they were thoroughly investigated by the public service and were not upheld. So the allegations around bullying and harassment were not found to be true. But since the original complaints in May, there are further reports of staff raising red flags. If people feel that they have had a bullying or harassment issue, then they are free to come to me or through public services. I am satisfied what she says, that she disputes those things very much. And parliamentary services has ultimately said there was no bullying or harassment. The allegations against Maggie Barry emerge as an investigation into bullying at Parliament is launched by Speaker Trevor Mallard, an issue it seems is also affecting wider government. 
Retirement Commissioner Diane Maxwell is facing more than a dozen former staff alleging a culture of bullying and mismanagement under her leadership. They're pretty serious allegations. Um, there's more than one allegation being made uh, by multiple people. Uh, I think I'd probably be criticised if I didn't do something. The ministers asked her to stand down as the State Services Commission conduct an investigation. She will have an opportunity through the SEC process uh, to respond to the allegations that have been aired in the media. Workplace behaviour in the corridors of power now under increasing scrutiny. So obviously the saving grace here for Maggie Barry was that those two complaints that were investigated by Parliamentary Service uh, were not upheld. That doesn't mean she's out of the woods yet though because as we've seen uh, there have been other former staff to come forward since then uh, also talking about Maggie Barry being a sort of Jekyll and Hyde character talking about a toxic working environment so Maggie Barry certainly uh, still under pressure um, but like we saw in that story Simon Bridges backing her. Yeah, and it's a, it's a hard mix because you've got obviously if a staff member feels as though they are being bullied and being picked on and um, continually being focused on by the minister, that's absolutely not okay, and no one should have to put up with that in a work in a workplace. On the other side, it is a unique, as we talked about last week, it's a unique, robust environment where um, these often big power plays. I mean, it's it's so much of the fact that they are ranked from from the top of the party, the most important, down to the bottom. The MP or the minister is the person that all of the staff surround. So I do think it's perhaps not like a, a normal working environment where there's more flat structures. This is, you are the MP, the staff work around you. And I think, you know, it's she's a strong character as well. We've seen that throughout her career, even before she came to Parliament as yeah, well. I note one of the former staff members was saying, you know, he... Um, saw her comments about Jamie Lee Ross, um, you know, sort of describing them as outrageous and what a, you know, outlier was, and that, and that enraged them and made them start to sort of cause up a stink because they felt that, you know, Maggie Barry had also been a, a real bully to them. Um, but it's interesting, isn't it, sort of, I guess, with the Retirement Commissioner as well, with Maggie Barry, with Jamie Lee Ross, you know, lots of allegations coming up about... Uh, and. and sometimes sort of proven that, you know, really toxic kind of environments and really bullying behaviour. One of the things that's kind of irked me, though, uh, which we saw happen in the Jamie Lee Ross saga and we see now here also with these allegations against Maggie Barry, uh, is the recording, the secretly uh, recording of uh, MPs, of, of whoever, and that just really grates with me because I, I think that's just absolutely abhorrent that someone is, people think that they can go around secretly recording others. Well I think, I, I did hear that one of the staff members saying that uh, saying the opposite was the case and that Maggie Barry had actually asked them to record them uh, in their office because she'd dictate say I need you to have a whole list of chores um, and or, or you know, jobs to do during the day yeah. and had it actually said why don't you record it so that you know that you've you've got them all when you get back to the office, or dictating letters and stuff like that But as I well. guess there's a difference between that and then a private conversation. And for yeah. people who don't know, um, it, let's say here in this conversation like this, I record it and I'm the only one who knows it's being recorded, but I'm recording all three of us. That's fine that because I know it's recorded and I am party to this conversation. If say um, Scarlett, who is our camera op, if she recorded us secretly and it's only three of us talking and, and she's, she's not, not part of yeah. 
party to that, that's when it becomes um, illegal and that's when it breaks the law. So it is... I mean, we know that as journalists, that's... Yeah, and, and that's how Todd Barclay got into yeah. all that trouble, right? Yeah. You know, secretly recording stuff in, yeah. in his office and ha- eventually had to, you know, go as an MP. And these days it changes things because you just have your um, phone sitting on the table. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not like you have to have a dictaphone or you just... Who doesn't go to a, a meeting or something and have the phone sitting on the table? And um, these days it's quite good. So, but, yeah, it's a really good point that... You know, I'm mm. so sure that I'd like all of um, our conversations recorded <laughs> all the time. So do you think Maggie Barry's out of the woods on this one? Not when you've still got former staff coming forward as recent as yesterday. I think uh, she just needs to lay low and um, hopefully see how it all rolls out. But when you've got people still coming forward, I mean, it's got to be concerning. She'll be walking around nervously, I'd say. But also, oh, you've got to kind of wonder whether parliamentary services is the right body to be investigating these kind of complaints, you know, when the the MPs are so so powerful in, in this, you know, at, at Parliament and stuff like that, you know, are they really there to come in and I don't know, um, you know, fully and fairly investigate complaints against you know the guys running the show? Yeah, well, hopefully we'll see. And, and there is that separation, I know, but you, you still got to wonder about the sort of power balance. Yeah, hopefully we'll see whether that is an issue when uh, if it comes up in the in the um, inquiry and in the in the mm. report um, that's being done for the speaker. Yeah. Well, should we have a look at the mental health track? Trying to fix the country's mental health crisis is a top priority for the government. Everyone here has a story or a loved one I'm sure that they're thinking about right now. The inquiry heard from thousands of Kiwis on what's going wrong. Our experience is one of frustration, worry and never having a voice. People have to fight and beg their way into services and wait far too long. It's not a war on drugs, it's a war on very sick people and it needs to stop. We are understaffed, burning out, told to just get on with it and suck it up. Its recommendations are wide-reaching, taking in the whole sector, from local to government level. This isn't the job of of one individual, one body, uh, one profession alone, uh, that we can't medicate or treat ourselves out of this issue. Overall, I'd say no huge surprises, um, but some really concrete and detailed recommendations as to how we address the challenges we've got. Among the most significant are making it easier to access services. Currently, only 3% of people can get specialist care. Establishing a new Mental Health and Wellbeing Commission to oversee response to the issue. Setting a target of 20% reduction in suicides by 2030. And decriminalising personal drug use and having tougher rules for alcohol. But just how much political appetite there is for some of these recommendations remains to be seen. For example, would Winston Peters support a crackdown on alcohol or the decriminalisation of drugs? Very good question, but I'm not going to answer them now. (laughs) Good Good try, mate. I found New Zealand First to be incredibly reasonable when uh, looking at the research. And will a suicide reduction target be adopted? I think we should be looking at a suicide target. So I'm not making any announcements today in respect of the recommendations. The government will consider the recommendations over the summer and make an announcement in March. Yeah, so this was the the big report that's been worked on for months and months, um, you know, the, 40 recommendations that have come back to the government, um, but yeah, like like I kind of mentioned in the peak uh, in, in the pit of the week, you know, some really sort of disturbing kind of stats there with with those 20,000 Kiwis um, 
trying to take their lives you know, each year and hundreds unfortunately succeeding um, you know, sort of pretty bleak story to, to try and cover but the 40 recommendations were, were really interesting I thought <clears throat> um, it'll be interesting to see how many of them the government adopt they're going to obviously think about that over the summer but I, I can already see big problems with you know some of them I find it hard to see New Zealand First supporting um, you know bringing in tougher rules for alcohol you know having having covered their conference recently you know they, yeah. they had a they had a proposal there where it would stop i think uh new new uh migrants to new zealand from ever trying to you know campaign against alcohol um yeah but it but also just seeing throughout that report um oh we have a we have a friend have in the a, studio which yeah, is never yeah, what you want especially yeah. on a serious topic like yeah. this but um uh, I, I think you know just reading a lot of the Comments that would come in from people who went and submitted to the to the to the inquiry over the ten months, uh, just so many people out there doing it tough. Yeah, and I just think those when you see those numbers right there, like those big high profile headline numbers, that's when it kind of hits you, eh? That there's, there's just so many people that are affected by this, and with in a political sense as well, it was such a big thing that the government um, yeah. promised to climb into. Um, we are now seeing a year on that report going, but it's not going to be till March, till we see things going again. Um, and for people who have lost loved ones, you, they must be sitting at home saying, come on, let's just get this going. And of course, you know, it's a big it's a big thing to do, but it's, it's one of those things that you've got to, it's a system that hasn't worked for a long time and they need to get it moving. And, and another takeaway for me from reading the report was how many people... <coughs> I, th- I think it works okay if you're at the extreme end in need of help, but the, the amount of people who would be like in huge distress and cannot get into the system, can't access help, can't get to the people that they need to, you know, to sort of respond mm. and, and help them through you know difficult patches in their life. It seems like the system really shuts a lot of people who need help out, and so that's something that the government's really going to have to pay attention to and you know try and figure out some solutions to um, you know over the summer. I also question you know. They say here that they're looking to respond to this gigantic report and the 40 recommendations in March. You know, whenever the summer holiday, I find it, I, I question whether they're going to be able to respond that quickly. You look at the synthetic cannabis crisis. I mean, Winston Peters was calling for urgent action back in July. They've still done, they've made no announcements. They've done, they've done nothing on that yet. You know, half a year later, and that's one issue. You know, whereas here you've got huge amounts of money needed you know vast sums to overhaul an entire mental health sector I'm not sure they're going to be able to do that just in a couple of months. Mm, it's going to be a tough job I mean there are going to be challenges there and we know that just by looking at like you both say those huge numbers of those who are impacted by mental health issues uh, we know that there's already been criticism from families of those who have uh, uh, died from suicide uh, saying that that 20% reduction target isn't uh, going far enough why not have a 0% target um, and also obviously that, that sort of um, gaining access easier um, to the services that's a huge one because that is one of the biggest concerns that has been raised throughout this whole issue is that you almost have to attempt suicide just to get in front of a doctor or someone you know some uh, some professional because otherwise you're sort of waiting for that sort of three four week period yeah. um, and that time is critical so that's going to be huge for the government to be able to come through and sort of 
provide that sort of easy, uh, easier access because that takes people, that takes um, staff on the front line and that is another big challenge in this sector. Yeah, and I noticed the Minister <coughs> did say, hey, some of the problems we have in mental health at the moment, it's staffing and it's going to mm. take years for us to get more and more staff in there. And like you said, I think um, to me, he was saying that he thinks this report will sort of influence government decisions for the next decade. Um, so, you know, they're not going to be able to have all the solutions in a couple of months. It's going to be, you know, rolled out over many, many years, I think. And just to round off our week in politics, um, we even had a, a little walkout of the debating chamber. So have a look at this. Questions over the Carol Schrubeck case going back and forth until this. And is she ducking and diving to get out of its way? Uh, no. The Leader of the Opposition will leave the House. He will be followed by the Shadow Leader of the House. You can't criticise the Speaker, so Mr Bridges and Mr Brownlee are out, and the others follow suit. The Prime Minister wouldn't answer, and Mr Mallard uh, was trying to protect her. National has been frustrated with the Speaker for months. We feel we're not being fairly treated in the House. The Speaker does need to reflect on what occurred today. Um, absolutely supports on Bridges. This caused delight for the government. You can't handle the heat. They went out in drips and drabs. It looked like the first loyal group and about six went out. Then about 12 others decided they might be loyal. And then the rest decided they'd better show some loyalty as well. It comes as reports surface of another leak. A new text talking about internal poll ratings from someone who claims to be an MP. And more questions over Maggie Barry's behaviour. The government says the walkout is just a stunt. Well, no, certainly none of this was my intention. Simon Bridges posing for this pick, saying he's not concerned and is moving on. It's, it's united, it's strong, it's disciplined, and, uh, and it's showing itself that we've got confidence. We're, we're polling at 46. You know, that's, um, that's not a leaky vote. Is no. it united? I think so. Everything that we're on, you know, our, our team, uh, I think they are. No, I'm not concerned. The former Speaker is chipping in too. And I think, sir, your action this week has not been helpful to the order of the House. I want to say to the member I will be looking again uh, at the question time today. Time to reflect on what's been a messy afternoon. So what do you make of it? Was it a stunt or was it a uh, principled walkout? Well, I think on, on one hand, you've got this Kara Shrubeck case, which has been really damaging for the government, yeah. right? And National have been going on and on about it and, and talking about it. So walking out does draw attention to that. And, I, I mean, it's fair to, Simon Bridges, Jerry Browning, very experienced. You cannot talk to the Speaker like that. It's not allowed. They know they'll be kicked out. But... I, I wonder if it's more. It, it was more about frustration and being annoyed and maybe drawing attention to that story mm. rather than trying to distract from um, the other things that were being talked about as well. So I just, I wonder, you know, sometimes, shockingly, as journalists, we can go one plus one equals ten. But I do, I mean, you've got to say, walking out like that, that they're wanting to draw attention to it. Well, so. they don't call it the silly season for nothing. And <laughs> yeah. I feel like this is the last block, sitting week block, before yeah. uh, Parliament breaks for Christmas. So I think, you know, this is probably just the, the start of the silly season here at Parliament. I hope it is, because it's certainly entertaining from our seats. Yeah. yeah. Well, my take on it was I watched that question in the House, and he asked lots and lots of questions. And I think he'd kind of come to the end of his question anyway, but I think he's probably just getting a bit fed up with the answers that mm. um, he's getting from the Prime Minister. Um, and then when the you know, Speaker stood up, he 
decided to you know have a bit of a crack. With the, yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, it's good. It's got, much, got an early shower as a result. <laughs> yeah. But I do think that this has been growing this tension with national and the speaker, and it's quite it quite often is with opposition and the speaker is you know. Um, they feel like they're not getting a fair deal, all of that kind of stuff. So I think this is perhaps the cherry on top of a large Sunday for the National Party who are just who are annoyed with feeling like they're not getting their go. I did think it was pretty funny, though. Um, the day before the walkout, the National MPs had really been um, on social media very active, um, questioning why the Prime Minister had not been turning up for question time over the past few recent days. I think it was Paul Goldsmith who tweeted out that, um, you know, question time in Parliament should be the priority. So <laughs> yeah, I thought it was kind of funny that they all uh, walk, walked out yeah. the next day. But it is a bit of a bugbear in mind that the political leaders, um, uh, Labour and um, National, often don't turn up to question time on Thursday. I mean, you only have a certain number of sitting weeks a year and you only have, um, you know, three question times a week and they're both of them are normally absent, absent at least, you know, 33% of the time. I think it kind of takes the wind and the punch out of question time a bit myself. Yeah, it does make it feel a bit bit more f- flat. But I also, I guess they're out in the regions. They say they're doing their thing, you know what I mean? They can't do all of their work from Parliament, but apparently that is a tradition that's only really been around for the last ten years yeah. or so. That back in the day, um, the main, you know, jewel on the crown was question time, yeah. and they were there all the time. And I, th- I think you've got Fridays, you've got your weekends, you've got your recess weeks where you can travel around the regions, you know, and get on, which is obviously a part of their job as well. Mm. Um, yeah, but I just kind of like it when they're there for question time. Benedict's makes it a bit more fiery. Rant at the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Gosh, there you go. Uh, Take my second note. Pit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> hey, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, the other thing that we're oh, going to yeah. mention about top. Yeah. yeah. So the power of Google in the ad break, um, 2.4%. So um, I was off by about 1.6%. So I'm very sorry. Um, but 2.4% was what top got um, last election. So if they were given a seat, they would then bring another seat with them. So maybe something, maybe a little barbecue could be arranged over over the summer yeah. break between the two. Hey, and the government is talking, just just quickly, the government is talking at the moment about having a look, hey, at the thresholds yeah, um, that's on right. MP. Yeah. And the sort of talk about maybe bringing it down to four um, to make it easier for, you know, the smaller parties to get over that threshold and get into get into Parliament. Yeah. But just quickly, your thoughts? You reckon they um, should? I think five's a really high benchmark for people to have to get over. Yeah, I. but I guess that that means you've got... That 5% does give people that that's what it has been since the beginning. It's it, You've got to be a big, well-organised party to get that. The Greens, New Zealand First, yeah. those guys. I guess it also brings up the question of the getting the seat and bringing the other MPs in as well should you have to get the 5% um, and... And get, do you know what I mean? Like it, I, it makes it feel unfair between what ACT has to do and what, say, the Greens have to do with no electorate seats. So, yeah, mm, yeah. I, I feel like the five percent is what we've had, and that makes it fair because otherwise you go back and you're like, oh, well, I would have been in, and I would have been in. I don't know. But the yeah, conservatives saying yeah, stuff, you know, yeah. got really good numbers and, and didn't get in. Yeah, it has been in, looked into though. Um, I think twice previously, mm-hmm. and the recommendation has been to lower it to four percent, and the argument yeah. being that it would be a fairer representation of our of, of New Zealand. And four yeah. percent still a lot, but I just think it's a little bit unfair for the parties that have gone before. 
You mean the big machine parties? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you see this is a really well thought out position yeah. that I've got here? We'll see. Excellent. Anyway, guys, it's been great to have you with us. This was Inside Parliament, our weekly catch up about the stories we've been covering. On One News, hey, we're also on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And it's available every Thursday evening, sometimes Friday, on the One News Facebook page. And you can also check us out on your favourite podcasting app. See you next week. Yeah.